Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday. It's March 15th, late at night. We're recording early so you can get an early Thursday delivery. We're going to discuss all the latest news here in mixed martial arts, as well as preview UFC 286 coming up here on Saturday, March 18th. It is an early start time. So while I remind you of that, I'll also remind you we're hosting a watch along here on MMA Junkie, myself and Goes, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern for four featured prelims. And then at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern, the main card, which is the pay-per-view, which includes the title fight. So we're going a little early here on the Pacific time zone, the Eastern time zone to accommodate the time difference with us and uh, the UK, which I believe right now is seven hours. It's usually eight, but I think because we just did the whole move the clocks thing, they're, they're probably not far behind us. But either way, we worked out the math, noon Eastern, sorry, noon Pacific and noon Eastern for that watch along. Join us for nine fights, uh, Extreme Couture, head coach, one of the head coaches, I should say, Eric Nixick, he'll join us. Comedian and podcaster John Orlando. He'll join us as well. We'll be right back to start the show. All right. So, goes. They've turned in three embeddeds. They've done their pre fight media days. What are you getting from the top? Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman, what's the feeling you get uh, in terms of the psychological warfare or where these fighters are in terms of, um, you know, the hype and their, their their confidence levels going into Saturday's trilogy bout? Excuse me. I think Leon's trying to poke the bear. And I think to a certain extent, he's been successful. And I think Usman just can't wait to get there to get this over with because I think he feels he's confident that it was just kind of a fluke and he can uh, get past it. Mm-hmm. Man, maybe I'm out of touch a little bit. Please tell me if I am. But one thing that jumped out at me right away is in the last 10 years, these fighters have kind of gone their own way with them making better money. And so what they do is they isolate themselves in. Uh, away from the fighter hotel they want nothing to do with the fighter hotel they'll get an airbnb or go to someone's home and and uh, basically stay away from everything but the one thing i've noticed with kamaru uzman is he likes to flaunt it a little bit and he likes to talk about it and here's the thing i'm not so sure i wouldn't be any different okay with fancy watches or cars or whatever but here's where i'm going to sort of connect the dots a little and then you can tell me if i'm on to (laughs) something and i know it's a movie but do you remember when rocky you know now had the fame and the money and he gets pulled in a bunch of different directions and he's got to 
kind of come up with a new set of friends and a new set of people to rub elbows with. And Mickey, who is an actor, I get it. It's an actor, Burgess Meredith, great actor, plays Mickey, playing the role. But I still don't feel like he was making up, you know, that personality of a gritty coach who just wants to train and and pull his fighter away from, you know, all of those things that can distract him, right? Remember, he didn't like what he was seeing in Rocky Three. He didn't like the distractions and the the bright cameras and all that. Now he winds up passing away, obviously. Um, but remember they got back to Apollo's gym and mm-hmm. it was dirty and grimy and and uh I, I, st- I still feel there's something to that. I that's what I wanted out of Usman. We hadn't heard from Usman. He didn't really do any media or anything like that. And right away he's at a private residence, posh, really nice looking in England and all that. And he's still dressing well and talking, you know, about certain things. I I don't know, man. I I it, I wanted to see uh something different out of him, you know. And um now at the same time, one thing I hear all the time that just gets on my nerves is when a fighter comes off a loss and they go, Hey, so what'd you do this different? And they go, I had to go to a dark place. <laughs> I had to go to a dark place and disconnect. And okay, I guess, I guess, like, I guess, like, uh, nothing makes me happy. I don't know. What do you think of all that I just said? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Was it's kind of what you want to hear, right? But, but yeah, I, I hear you. Um, you're not going to a dark place though, if you're in a posh apartment in England, like, um, I think that's like, I mean, come on, man, is the fucking Ramada that. I mean, it's not in the ghetto. It's just a room. I think I know, it, it comes down to like said for like, hey man, you got to go downstairs and sign posters. Be there in ten minutes. Sign them. I'm back in ten in my room, and now I can either get a nap in, I can hit some mitts, maybe I squeeze in some sauna time, uh, or whatever. I I I don't need a black car to come get me and take me thirty minutes away, or a limo, or. You know, I, I don't need all these things. I'm here to work. I mean, it could be. I, I just, I don't know exactly what really is going on in this house. Like, I mean, I don't think they're throwing house parties and eating caviar. I think he just probably wants to get away from fans, get away from other fighters, just do his own thing. I, mean, I don't know. Like Rocky, yeah. I mean, you know, he was, what, blowing bubbles when he should be hitting mitts and shit like that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Taking pictures with fans. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, his his it had to have been embarrassing for him more than anything. I think the embarrassment is what hurt him. Not so much the title, all that. I think he knows, and a lot of people know, he's, he's a badass. He's one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Bar none. I think he was just embarrassed. And I think he... You hold that. I think he just can't wait to erase it, really. I probably doesn't want to get asked those questions, all that shit. Like, who knows? Main eventers usually get a suite anyway. So you kind of get that luxury. But I don't know. It's this whole like I'm worried more my about my perception than the W. Is just this feel that I get from certain fighters, and uh, if they can pull off both, then great, man. You know, like that's what Ric Flair was all about: Rolex wearing, limousine riding, you know, and 
But guess what? He knew he was going to win at WrestleMania or Starcade or whatever because it was written in the script. You're not giving up the title. So you can you can be a Mystic Mac if you want. You know, we're going to go about 30 minutes and then I'm going to turn it on and take them into dirty water or deep waters. And and I'm going to get the, the one, two, three. You know, Ric Flair could say whatever he wanted because it was it was pre-written, you know. Here you don't know. And I I don't know. Um, well, let me ask you this. Sure. What did you see happen in that last fight? Because I'm not going to call it a fluke because I don't think it's a fluke. Mm-hmm. But I think he just got caught. He got caught with his hands down for a brief second. Yeah. But everything else he showed us in that fight was Kamaru Usman, what we're used to getting out of him. So to me, it's just a little mistake that he has to. It's not like he was, <coughs> excuse me, going into any fight not caring, right? I mean, he probably was trying to pay attention. It was just a little lapse that somebody took advantage of. I think of anything, he's going to be more on edge this fight, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think it had anything to do with other than he got caught. That's it. Yeah, maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I guess a lot of it had to do with he's trying to force Gagey to dress up. Did you see that one? They're out shopping, and he wants to dress him up. And then Gagey, I guess, was supposed to dress him down. So maybe they're having fun. Maybe that's just their way of staying loose. But I kind of like Gagey's report or uh, Gagey's attitude more like <laughs> i'm just not i'm a fighter i'm not into that I, i'm kind of here to fight you look like he was just tagging along but really he, he could care less about a three thousand dollar suit or five hundred dollar shirt or anything like that um and and again coming off a loss i want to see something a little bit more different that tells me that you're focused but you bring up a good point i mean this guy was cruising to victory Things were looking good. You know, I asked the head coach once, and I go, hey, please tell me if I'm crazy. But do you think in that last minute when a fighter's dominating and a fighter's sort of a uh, diva-type fighter, you know, like they're already thinking about what they're going to say on the mic or their after party or the celebs that are in the audience or what fancy shuffle I'm going to do when it's over or who I'm going to shout out, do you think that can happen? And he goes, I think so. Fighter will never admit it. But if you're kind of clowning, if you're dominating and you're clowning, you know, possibly. And I go, do you think that could maybe be the one second where you just get distracted and then boom, you get yeah. you get clocked? He goes, it, you're not crazy, he told me. He goes, I don't know if it, if that's what happened, but you're not crazy in thinking that. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if Leon Edwards wins this fight, are we going to be looking for excuses for Kamaru Usman? He didn't train hard enough. He's too much of a playboy now. Or are we just going to give the dude his due? Two wins over Kamaru well, Usman, regardless of how he does it. If he beats exactly Usman, then, then we're just going to say that, you know, we have to say he's better because he will have won two of the three. Um, but he doesn't own them. Because, again, you win two out of three, but you got beat the first soundly. And then the second one, you were getting beat soundly before your miracle comeback. And then whatever whatever happens in the third. So you could just be proud of having Usman in the rearview mirror and that being that. But um, I guess I, I guess it, 
it doesn't look like Usman doesn't work hard. That's for sure. He's got the isolated camp with Trevor Whitman, Justin Gagey, Rose Namajunas. Those are the only people that really work there. They fly in. They import people to come in and mimic their opponents. And that's about it. Uh, does, as close as it gets to boxing. It's what, not like Usman was unsuccessful when he was part of Kill Cliff, right? I think there's still something to be said for being part of a team. But I also understand the fighters that want to maybe isolate themselves. But, you know, we'd have to do a deep study, a case study to see, well, which one's more successful. I'm sure there's great cases for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just curious. Even if it goes down the exact same way, Usman dominating, Edwards catches him again. What do we say? You know, at that point, I think you do have to give Leon Edwards his due. Oh, yeah. Stop, stop focusing on Camaro and what he didn't do right. Just look at it as he just got caught again by uh, what now we know is a better fighter. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it could just be that uh, when we've done this for so long, sometimes you see these embedded, and you know how I've always teased them that they say the rights the same stuff over and over. So I'm looking for new angles, looking for new things mm-hmm. to just either pick at or think about because it's always the same thing. Saturday or Sunday, you know, before the whole week, before they even get to Saturday, they're landing in Vegas. Okay, you know, so had a good flight. We're going to go upstairs and break a sweat, shake the flight off. They say the same thing each time. Keep yeah. the engine running, you know, and and, and work out the kinks. <laughs> you know, maybe I should just be happy they were doing something new and trying to find themselves some nice suits. I think Michael Chandler, uh, when he, you know, I don't know if I, I think you were on the show with me when, when I talked to Chandler about this, but Chandler actually hired a, uh, a fashion consultant. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if the fashion consultant travels or just kind of goes to his house and goes, pack this. That's your Monday. That's your Tuesday. That's your Wednesday. That's your Thursday. And he just throws it on. And so he throws it on, but it's not him. It's just him on fight week. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's rubbed off a little bit, and, he, you know, he dresses. But he told me, or maybe he told us, he goes, you know, my, it was my wife's idea. I like it. It's cool. But I, I couldn't pick these clothes out even if I tried. <laughs> He's just not worried about it. He's more worried about the <laughs> Now, that said, Chandler is 2-3 and three in the UFC. He's a former Bellator champ. Respect there. And Kamar Usman had, you know, had a pretty legendary run in the UFC. So maybe Kamaru did figure it out, and I'm just full of shit. Who knows? But. Um, I, I can't wait for Saturday because one of these two gentlemen really hits a major roadblock. And I think the bigger one is for Usman, believe it or not. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Usman, no, he, he can't, can't get, get any shot if Rocky wins. But I think Rocky, I don't think Rocky's here to stay. I don't think Rocky can dominate like Usman for five straight title defenses. I think somebody would take him out. So maybe that's all Usman needs is for someone to beat Rocky, and then he's back in the picture. You know, now if Rocky loses, he gets caught in a big, big shuffle because the trilogy will be over, and now that deep welterweight division of Bilal, Muhammad, and Shafkat, um, Shemaev, if he drops back, you know, whoever else is 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 right behind those guys. They'll take precedent. And I, be- I think it's a nightmare scenario for Kamaro. If Kamaro loses this fight, okay, you're right. 
Maybe Leon Edwards doesn't reign for too long. But guess who his next fight is? If Masvidal wins, it's got to be him, right? The UFC will look for any excuse to make that fight happen. And guess who would probably be the He's got to be Burns, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he wins, guess who, he probably, who would probably be the favorite in that? I would imagine Edwards would be the favorite there. Over Masvidal? Yeah. Okay. I would imagine. If he wins that fight, now you're talking like maybe a year of your time, right? What's Usman? Like, what do people that are in Usman's position, what do they normally do? They go up and wait. He's not going to go up and wait. He doesn't want to fight his buddy. His buddy's up there at the top, right? No, Pajeda's up. <clears throat> well, he's, well, I guess I'm forecasting, but oh, he, he, he's not going to want that. So really, what is he? Like, he's going to have to sit on his thumbs for about a year if something happens, if that scenario happens. For Rocky, if he win, if he loses, he's still got his normal duties, right? But like you said, Gilbert Burns, it's a good fight, and there is a chance Masvidal loses that. And if he does, then that's done. That is signed, sealed, delivered. That will happen, that fight. So they both have different roads. I mean, it's kind of weird, but I don't know. I don't. I just don't think we're going to get to that. Honestly, I can judge this all on what we saw up until that moment. And it was domination by Kamal Usman. I, I expect the same thing, man. Okay, now let me throw this at you. As we were talking, I was thinking, is there a beauty in what PFL does? Here's what I mean by that. So you could fight a PFL, and let's just say, like Anthony Pettis. Remember, he didn't have a great season. And so, ah, damn it, you know, I didn't have a great season. I, I, I didn't figure this out or whatever. But the good thing is, come April, it's fresh. The standings are all zero. And all you got to do is have a three in one year ending with, with a win or a four and oh year, and you're the champ, a million bucks. You get a belt. You know, you don't have to, like, like you said, oh, if Usman loses, he's got to wait a whole year. He might have to fight this guy and this and this and whatever. Is there something fresh in what PFL does in that if you flame out in August, all you have to do is wait till next April? And if you're one of the eight, boom, you're ready to rock and roll? Well, yeah. And that prize at the end, right? It's pretty legit. I guess um, it's kind of like a Grand Prix, a little bit of a Grand Prix. I mean, they they go by points, so the matchups are just according to the points. But you know that it's it's kind it's kind of cool. It's there's no room for uh, probably an aging veteran, right? It's kind of a young man sport over at PFL because of the schedule and how you have to just keep coming out there. That part probably sucks, but yeah, the, the structure of it, I think, is is pretty cool. I think there's something to it. You know what I was thinking the other day? What would be fun? Mm. It's impossible. But who who would you say are the four major organizations? UFC, Bellator, PFL, one championship. Man, if at the end of the year uh, you just had a four-man tournament, divisions, that'd be so much fun. Take PFL's best light all in one night. No, no, uh, stagger. No, so two nights or not two nights, but two events because you would have four in each weight class and just make them fight. And at the end of the year, you would know who the best is in the world. That'd be so much fun, but the schedule just wouldn't allow it. And, and organizations would never allow it. It but would, man. Be, I wish one time they could do that. Like every few of them might want to play ball. Bellator's proven they can play ball, <laughs> yeah. but you saw what happened with Bellator faced Ryzen. And if the UFC is matched up against either PFL or 
or one, you know, you might get a five and oh night, or I don't know, you know, I no, 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 who knows? Well, how can I put it? It's not really like a five and oh night, it's um, almost like the world cup. If you were to do it every four years, I think that would be so much fun, man. Think of the matchups you could have, it'd just be a fun night of, of a tournament every four years, okay? Just to be clear. Um, you're talking about like at the end of the year, Sadabusi represents PFL, mm-hmm. and um, well, Christian leads the welterweight over there at one, so they send him. Mm-hmm. UFC sends Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. and Bellator sends uh Yaroslav Amosov, right? You figure out whatever the pairings are, two fight two. You're left with one. So two guys would fight maybe like on October 1st. Mm-hmm. And then on December 31st, you get the finals. Mm-hmm. I like the every four year idea if they could ever do it. Um, it'd be interesting. You just got to hope that the guys that fight on October 1st can go on December 31st. Right. And in the meantime, when you fight on October 31st, that means you've been training. Sorry, October 1st. That means you've been training from about August 1st for the October 1st fight. Versus someone that's outside your organization. So that organization, the rest of the guys are sitting there going, well, who do we fight? Because the champ's busy on October 1st. And if he advances December 31st, and then after December 31st, he probably won't be ready to fight till March 1st at the soonest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's it would be nice. I get it, but it would be fun. Would this be nice? What if the UFC just <laughs> bought PFL or Bellator the way they bought Pride? WEC and Strike Force, like didn't all that happen within five years? They they basically said all of it. All of it. Yeah, I I want to see one of those. I think I'm just ready for one of those, just to freshen things up. How much? Man, that'd be a lot of MMA, huh? You know, and and Under so one banner. Oh yeah, it'd be a, it'd, it'd be a ton of MMA, but it would give a, a lot of new fresh matchups. Um. Hmm. That cards, I think, would be a little deeper for sure. We still have some fights and some fighters. I, I, I still reason in my head where, whether the UFC needs to put the word out. If you want to fight here, you need to really put some work in to uh, as as a uh, entertainer, speak some English. Because I was thinking this. Let's say you have Ivan Drago or Alexander Carolyn or whoever, man. Bruce, well, maybe Bruce Lee spoke English. Whoever, all right? You just have some absolute killer. And he fights over at one, and he's 30-0. and 0, And maybe even a couple of UFC guys have gone over there, and they got thumped. The Bellator guy got thumped. The PFL guy got thumped. I mean, this guy's 30-0, and 0, 29 finishes. But guess what? Is he still number one? Like, can't? doesn't the UFC go, well, he's doing it over there. He still hasn't done it here. Like, you see what I mean? Like, I wonder if sometimes they should just bypass certain fighters because we can't relate. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Things are changing, though. They Like, Bellator has some players. And actually, PFL got a few, too. You know, that can make things interesting. I think they've closed the gap a little bit, but I don't think you could ever really close the gap on the UFC. 
Dan Hardy got named director of fighter operations for PFL Europe. That was pretty cool. Uh, PFL is going to have women's 145 this year, not 155. Kayla Harrison is not part of the regular season. She is just part of, I think, the pay-per-view series. And guess what? I remember at first I thought, oh, come on, girl. Shake it off. Get back in there. But when I do the rankings, I have these cells, these cells that I use for Excel. And I usually keep tabs of what they've done the last, for sure, three years, but even go back like five years. And when you look at the PFL fighters, man, you can see they're like 10 fights deep, eight, 10 fights deep, because each year can be four, you know, and even some years they were doing up to five. That's a lot of, that's some training camps. That's a lot of rest. That's a lot of wear and tear. And so I could see a fighter going, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm sending the season out or, or whatever, wow. just to let the body rest a little bit, especially if you've been lucky enough to make a million bucks with like like Kayla Harrison has. Yeah, when she's got them little ones now in the house, I mean, you gotta have attention for them. Probably want to spend some of that money too. The first thing I want to ask Kayla Harrison when we have her back on is, is there something for to be said for Olympians? It seems like Olympians obviously are tremendous athletes, whatever it is that they do, but I think. They are so uh, they're ultra competitive, and that comp that competitiveness just it it spills into other like I bet you if you were to play Henry or Kayla or even Rhonda like in chess or ping pong or something else if they lose I could see them flipping the board or just mm -hmm. like really taking it hard you know what I mean because. Yeah. I come to think of it, we haven't heard much from Kayla. And I remember she's her saying those first few nights were rough. And of course, Rhonda, you know, we know how we know what happened there. Um they 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 just must be like another wired for that level of of uh of being an Olympic athlete. I think for them, it's not a job, it's part of your life, right? There's not really an off season. If you're an Olympian, you're constantly working at what you're doing. You're not just fighting the people in your country. You're fighting the whole world. Mm -hmm. So there are no days off. So I think when they transfer over to MMA, they take that same mindset. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, I don't think you're going to catch these guys going, I'm fishing today or we're on the boat today. Like they are training. Let's go over some of the latest news and then we'll come back to UFC 286. Um we already strayed away anyway, but uh, you're, who'd you pick, by the way, in, in your staff picks? Usman? I took Usman. Yeah, so did I. Okay. We'll talk about Gagey and Fiziev in just a sec. Elite and Vittori, they're also on the card. It's a good card. Join us on Saturday for the, that watch-along. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. and Anthony Pettis are going to compete in boxing at Game, Bed, Game Bread Boxing 4. Jones is 50. And it didn't look like he was as into the fight versus Mike Tyson as Mike Tyson was. Um, but I guess he's getting paid. Is it as simple as that? And he's getting paid to fight someone that's probably never boxed before? Well, I think his spin on it, right, is that it had to do with it being Anthony Pettis and a guy that's kind of accomplished a lot in mixed martial arts. And the fact that him and Anderson never got together which he kind of explained as like he felt like he was getting blown, blown, uh, blown off a little bit each time. 
I think it's just that unfinished business, you know, and and a payday. That that's what brings him out. But really, like if you know your ins and outs of both sports, you know Anthony Pettis has competed at 170 before, but for the most part, he's a 155er, which means he probably walks around at 175 to 180 at the most, I would imagine. He hit the weights, they said. <clears throat> he hit the weights. Uh, this fight's at 200, right? Roy Jones will probably be... It's not. I heard it's not as much in boxing. So I would say like 215 maybe come fight night. Mm-hmm. I can't picture a 215 looking Anthony Pettis. And if he even comes remotely to that weight, he's going to lose what I believe is probably his, his best weapon, and that's his speed. So I don't, this doesn't seem very good. Like, I, I get it. There's a big age discrepancy there. I don't think it's going to be a good thing for Anthony Pettis, though. I think it sounds like Jones, it sounds like neither guy can come in under 200. You can't? No. Unless I misread it, it sounds like neither guy can come in under 200. I think Anthony and, Pettis is in trouble then. And, you know, Roy. Roy's an athlete. Do you remember, like, 20 years ago, he boxed and played a professional basketball game, like, on like on a lower level? May have been that CBA or something like that. It's a beast, dude. So this is somebody that at 50 will probably still be good enough, I think, to beat Anthony Pettis. I'll be cheering for Anthony Pettis. I don't know if I like his chances. I do not. Um, so much muscle memory for a guy like Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. And then so many things that are going to be going through Anthony Pettis's head for the first time. You know, that's just not the guy to do that in front of. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, McGregor, McGregor and Chandler wrap things up. They, uh, the coaching's done. I think all of the fighters are free and they've been allowed to travel back home. I know Chandler booked it out of town, I think, yesterday or the day before, and, and McGregor, same thing. What do you think of what you've heard about Conor McGregor? There's rumors that, you know, just Chandler was into it and McGregor wasn't. And uh, that's kind of what it felt like that other season where it was him versus Faber and they were always waiting on on McGregor. Sometimes he'd be, you know, up to a couple hours late to like a fight, and they'd have to wait on him. What, what do you think mm-hmm. of all this? Is, is it worth all that though for the UFC? And are you ready to tune into Tough this year, Tough Thirty One? Yeah, I mean, you got me with the coaches. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that was Connor, but I'm pretty sure Michael Chandler will poke back. And Connor's a competitor. You know the way you describe those Olympians. I think if you push his buttons. He's just not going to take it. He's going to want to push some back. And from what I heard, it got pretty nuts, right, uh, on one night. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> we'd have to see. But um, I know Conor McGregor's probably got a lot to prove to people. So I would have to imagine that a lot of what makes him fun is going to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been watching McGregor as he's done interviews with the basement guy, my mom's basement, his name's Robbie. And then a little bit with him and Ariel. And he just seems like he's luckily, he's lucky that he has a sharp tongue and can talk, but it doesn't look like 
um, he's confident in the answers he's giving. You know, like when they ask him about the leg and the recovery and, yeah, everything's the best. My surgeons are the best. My rehab's the best. You know, it's kind of like, ah. You know, the fight's going to tell us everything. But to me, it still doesn't seem like it's all there. I, I, so I feel like something's being hidden. It could be. You know, uh, maybe a little bit of lack of confidence could finally be shown. Because you could say everything in the book. Uh, you can prepare for that all day. You know what people are going to ask you. You can prepare for that. But after a while, it's going to fall back on, well, what have you done? What have you done in your fights? And if you look at his past few fights, it just hasn't been good. And I think he's running out of time. You know, you can only tell stories so long before people say, well, prove it. This is his make or break moment. He's got to prove it. He's got to beat Chandler. And he said that he does regret not fighting Diaz a third fight, but he thinks they're going to still fight it. I was happy to hear that. It should be done. But then when I looked to see just how both guys have gotten older and they haven't looked as sharp, I don't know if I'll be as into it, but. What does it prove? I probably put, who knows, you know. Like, honestly, what, what are they proving with that fight? There won't be a belt on the line. Um, as far as swag goes, if I'm Nate Diaz, I'll go, well, look, man. The judges said that he won. I strangled him. If it wasn't for the referee, he'd be dead. Like, I would feel like I have an advantage. I don't have anything to prove. Like, what, 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 what is it? Cruz. Huh? That's what Faber told Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were 1-1 and they were building for the third fight at UFC 199, they had one of those sit-downs. And um, <laughs> Faber told Cruz, I could have killed you. And Cruz goes, what? You're crazy. He goes, yeah. He goes, I could have continued choking you if it wasn't for that. I could have killed you if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. There's a and big ruffled, difference. It ruffled Cruz's feathers because Cruz, I think, had beaten him by decision, whereas Uriah strangled uh, Cruz. There, there's a big difference in that. You know, no referee, that dude's dead, right? I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen. And, but But let's be honest. Between men, that's that feeling that you have. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, you go... So who do you think won? And three guys go, ah, we think this guy. There's a big difference between those two. So if I'm Nate Diaz, it's obviously all about money. But to the fans, like, we don't care about money. So what usually gets us out of bed is, all right, there's a title on the line. Or there's something on the line. Really, it's between them two now. So how do we get the best Diaz and the best Connor? It's sad to say Two million each to show, so let's get them paid. And then whatever you've negotiated from the pay-per-view. But I would love if some billionaire came in and goes, hey, I'll give $10 million to the winner. Yeah. As an incentive. I'm just afraid the, the best days of those guys are gone. Maybe not Connor. I think Connor will come in shape and give you his honest best. I think Nate's just past that, man. Connor and I don't feels like he could fight the winner of Edwards and Usman if he beats Chandler because I think he's still pushing for them to fight at 170. Whereas I think Dana shut that down and said, No, mm-hmm. we need them at 155. And I'm glad he did. But yeah. he, he says he might even be in attendance uh, in London on Saturday. I don't know, man. He just he's so wacky in it right now. It's so different from the kid that walked into our studio. In 2012. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think how different his life is. Like, it's got to change you somewhat. 
I mean, look, man, if I made that much money and achieved that kind of prestige, of course, I'm going to change a little bit. But I think the core of me would probably still be the same. I don't think I'd be like a complete asshole or getting in trouble with the law. You know, maybe throw one in there. We were at a strip club and a fight broke out. I, I did something I probably shouldn't have. Give me one of those, but fucking like three or four that this guy's had. Nah, man, that, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> I would hope somebody pulls me aside and just goes, keep going. Like when, yeah, you know, when they're sitting there shoveling shit down people's throats and saying this, like, I hope one of my friends or somebody in my family holds up a sign that says, keep going, like, shut up already. Someone that can just make me think and go, oh, man, okay, I'm starting to sound like a like a twe- like a dweeb over here. Um, all right. But who, who's going to tell you that, though? Who's going to be afraid? Who's going to risk you not inviting them on the yacht, on vacations to go see Manchester United, uh, to Las Vegas for a weekend? Who's going to risk all that? with the potential of you getting pissed off and telling him to go fuck off. That's the problem. He probably has no real friends. A real friend would do that. I feel like Rodney would tell me no matter what, whatever's at risk, mm-hmm. he would probably tell me you're being an asshole, but I bet you there's some other people that wouldn't. They'd be like, nah, man, I'd rather, I'd rather go on these trips and just put up with them. Hmm. I bet you you're right. Um. All right. A few other things. Uh, Alistair Overeem failed a drug test. He receives a 12-month suspension from Glory Kickboxing. So the win that he had over Badr Hari, uh, both passed their prime. It now goes to a no contest. I can't imagine you're shocked, right? Not really. Um, well, no, nah, not really. I think if it happened, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm not shocked. Glover Teixeira. Says he would box, but somebody more his age. Uh, who's going to really, I mean, no disrespect to Glover Teixeira, but who's going to want to watch that, right? It's That's not his his forte. Grappling? Like if he said, I want to grapple somebody my age, that I could be into. But boxing's not his thing. And on top of that, you're going to get somebody his age? Like, I don't really want to see that. And I, I don't want that for him. Dude, I don't care how old you are. You can get, or even young, you can get hurt pretty bad in boxing. You can get hurt, dude. Just look at uh, what happened to Tito Ortiz, what Anderson Silva did to him. You think he had headaches for weeks? You don't need that at that age, man. You've made enough money. Well, I don't know that he has. I don't know that that he's made that much, but hopefully he has. Or hopefully it's enough so that he can start a business. Or whatever, but to never work again, who knows? Um, and grappling just doesn't, you know, what, what's the most you could get paid to grapple? I mean, what do, what do you think Gordon Ryan maybe will do a submission underground or an Eddie Bravo or a Meta Morris back in the day? 50 grand, 100 grand? Like, but it doesn't a huge contract. Now, granted, that's him. It doesn't even come close to what boxers can make, though, you know? Yeah, but do you really want to wait until? something bad happens to say, I shouldn't be doing this ever again. Like, think about some of the wars he's been in. And he doesn't strike me as a guy that's, like, purchasing Lamborghinis or anything like that. Like, I think he's pretty smart with his money, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, yeah, had such a good career, man. Just don't get out there and get beat up for nothing. Let's get back to UFC 286. Justin Gagey versus Rafael Fiziev. Um... 
Gagey now feels like he's in that position as a veteran that needs to stop the hungry up-and-comer who's trying to prove himself, you know, prove who he is, which is Gagey says that was me about five years ago. He lauds Fiziev's striking and everything. He even says he loves his leg kicks, says he's probably faster than me, but he also feels like he doesn't have the thunderous kicks that I do. Um, what do you think happens here? You think Gagey's stubborn as always, heavy-handed, just throws and sees who's the tougher hombre, or can he resort to a little bit of maybe some wrestling, maybe some clinching, you know, kind of make it a little bit more into a dogfight, which you know, I, I think would be a, a smart play. How long have we been saying that, though? Think of how many Justin Gagey fights we've been saying, but if he wrestles and he just doesn't do it, right? That's kind of what's really frustrating about him. I think his record could be way better, but he does those types of things. I kind of disagree with him in the sense that I understand that Fiziev is younger, but I wouldn't really say Gagey's the guy that's like like a gatekeeper or anything like that. I think there's these certain divisions where it's just so cutthroat and they're so good that it leaves guys that are actually elite level looking like they're that guy. But they're not. They're just they're it's just that competitive. I think Fiziev, I think it's a tough fight for him. I think a lot of people are shocked at how quick and how hard Justin Gagey can still hit and i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe fiziev is up for the challenge but i know justin gagey can catch a lot of people by surprise now i will say this i don't know that justin gagey's chin is the way it used to be where he could just stand there and take any shot mm-hmm. kind of gets rocked here and there now so i do hope he makes some kind of adjustments but i felt very confident putting justin gagey's name down for this fight for this particular fight i'm starting to have second thoughts uh, I put Gagey as well, but I'm starting to have second thoughts. And I didn't realize he hadn't fought since last May. Mm-hmm. We're pushing about 10 months. Um, you know, that's the loss to Charles Oliveira. Before that, he had the war against Michael Chandler where he won. And then before that, he got submitted by Habib Nurmagomedov. But in each of the last two years, he's only fought one time. It's early in 2023, so he'll probably fight two times here. But, you know, he's 34 years old now. Some of those fights have been wars. The Alvarez fight, the Poirier fight, you know, the Chandler fight, even some of the ones that he's won, you know, they've just been some good, good battles. But um, Gagey, if Oliveira beats Benny, I don't know if Oliveira immediately fights Makashev. I think the UFC might might ask him to fight a second time just because he got steamrolled by Makashev. So Makashev is going to probably get either a Poye or I think someone out there who's shining. If McGregor were to blast Chandler, obviously he's easy the easy plug-in because he's a pay-per-view machine. But let's say Chandler wins and Gaethje wins. And Benio loses, and again, do you shove Oliveira back in there? I mean, there's a there's a way for maybe Gaethje to position himself for another title shot. He needs to win this fight against Rafael Fizia because if he loses, now you can't even talk about Justin Gaethje 
fighting for a title for about a good three years. Yeah, it's crazy. By then he'd be 37. The, the, this might be it at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's But important. if you want him to compete at a super high level for a title, he's also got to show that he's got new wrinkles to his game. And that's where that wrestling does come into play. Well, Chandler, Chandler loves to throw bombs, loves to put on a show, but he was willing to wrestle against Dustin Poirier. So even at some point, someone got through to him and said, you can, you know, you used to wrestle, wrestle. And he did. And he won round mm-hmm. two against Poirier. He looked like he maybe, maybe would have had a nice shot to win round three if he didn't overcommit on that takedown. And um, so you can get through to some veterans. John Jones, I bet you got spoken to. Hey, bro, you really want to kickbox against this guy? Like, why don't we wrestle first and see if we can submit him? Let's catch him while you guys are not so sweaty and, you know, Maybe you can uh, drain his gas tank a little bit, go for the takedown early, and you know jump on him. Yeah. And that's what John Jones did. So hopefully, fighters are learning from their predecessors, seeing the repercussions of coming up short in a fight when you're in a division that's just stacked, and seeing how it can just, you know, it can completely change your life. I mean, John Jones's life is completely changed. One year ago, no, eighteen months ago. He's on the strip, headbutting a police car, threatening the cops, telling them he could kick their butts if it wasn't for the handcuffs. A wife, sorry, a fiance accusing him of uh, of uh, domestic, you know, abuse. Kids that were petrified of him, and, and they're even willing to tell the cops, you know, hey, we didn't like what just happened. Uh, you know, no, no one was even talking about him fighting. And here, 18 months later, he goes out there, he plays it smart, and to this day, he still hasn't gotten in any trouble. It's been almost two weeks now. And John Jones is the man. He's the GOAT. He's the, you know, he's the this or that. And the longer Francis Ngannou doesn't compete, we're probably going to wind up saying, oh, he's the baddest man on the planet, too. He literally has everything coming to him because he used his head. You know what? For as much as we talk about him having an ego outside of the cage, inside the cage, he has no ego. He really does fight the best to the best of his abilities. He uses all of his best weapons. He's a smart fighter. If you look at some of the greats, right? So like GSP, same thing, right? There were there were fights where he he would strike and not wrestle and throw his opponent off, but he always kind of went to that bread and butter, that wrestling. Um, Fedor Emelianenko, another guy who did not have an ego. Look how far he got in his career, right? Like, I just think that's such a big thing, man. You have to be able to listen to your coaches. John Jones, for as much trouble as he gets into, anytime they show him in the corner in between rounds, he looks like he's listening to his coaches and he does what they say. Yeah. I forgot that even Winkle John broke apart from him and kicked him out of the gym. Like, he really had to adjust. Mm-hmm. Good on him. You know that Luana Carolina, the one that got the spinning back fist from Molly McCann a year ago? She's mm-hmm. on this card. I wonder if it's going to haunt her to be in that O2 arena. Maybe. Because you know, that was a, one of the major highlights of the year. I'm trying to think. Like, I think if they I called me, I'd be like, can't you give me on another card? Fucking San Antonio <laughs> or the Apex? Like, do I got to go back in that uh, haunted mansion, you know, where I got posterized? You know, I had a conversation one time with Ulysses Gomez, and he was talking about how just looking up at the uh, Staples Center, the jerseys and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. 
no matter what, whatever he's back there for a concert, whatever, just looking up at that is going to make him remember that moment, you know? So there's got to be something, something to that. When John yeah. Morocco knocked him out? Mm-hmm. You ever hear a song on the radio and it just reminds you of like when a girl broke up with you or something stupid happened? You're in that moment for that second. It might last a second, might last 10 seconds. Some people have panic attacks. But I bet you for at least a couple seconds, she's going to go, oh, man, here we go again. Meatball Molly was on top of the world that night, and then Blanchfield just ruined it all. Um, and Patty Pimley got away with one, by the way. But all right. So Veronica Hardy versus Juliana Miller, Jai Herber versus Ludwig Klein, Luana Carolina versus Joanne Wood. That's her opponent is Joanne Wood for Luana Carolina. Malcolm Gordon versus Jake Hadley. I'm a big Jake Hadley fan. Christian Duncan versus Dusko Todorovic. Lerone Murphy versus Gabriel Santos. Those are your early prelims on ESPN Plus, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. We won't be with you guys for those, but that's six fights. Then there's four more, all right? These are the featured prelims on ESPN News and ESPN Plus. ESPN News, by the way, is a television channel. I believe it's 208 or something like that if you have Drake TV. That's at noon east, uh, noon Pacific, three Eastern. That's um, um, Jafel Fio versus Mohamed Mokayev. I really like Mokayev. I think he's a possible future champion at flyweight. Yanal mm-hmm. Ashmas versus Sam Patterson. Chris Duncan versus Omar Morales, and Makwan Amirakani versus Jack Shore. Then we get to the pay per view, five p.m. Eastern, two p.m. Pacific. So those four featured prelims, but the plus the six early prelims, that's 10. And then the main card is five, 15 fights on Saturday. It all starts with Roman Delice versus Marvin Vittori. Um, you know Vittori's deal already. He's already fought for a title. Adesanya's given him a loss, a couple losses, uh, and Whitaker gave him a loss. But other than that, Vittori's been solid. I mean, he's he, almost like a solid number three middleweight, I guess you could say. Uh, he's beaten Costa, he's beaten Hermanson, Holland, Roberson. And as far as Delice is concerned, Delice is kind of making his move right now. He's from Georgia, by the way, and we all know Georgia's been on fire with Marav Devalish really doing as well as he did. He's coming off that big win over Jack Hermanson. Um, this is the opening bout. I think this is going to be a good one to get the place rocking and rolling, these middleweights. Also a reminder that because all this is so early, no preview show with Farah Hanoon either. Mm-hmm. The story here is Delice is trained at Extreme Couture. He did his camp at in Thailand this time. Marvin Vittori, who was at Kings MMA, he did a lot of his camp in Las Vegas. Now, I don't know if there's anything to one guy push the other guy out or anything like that, but I had been wondering. I hadn't seen Delice much uh, in the gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, but these guys don't seem to like each other too much. Apparently, Vittori had put out that when they did train at King's MMA, he would get the better of Delite. So I don't know. I they say don't air that stuff out, but at the same time, this is combat sports, you know. Like I think all's fair, honestly, in, in that regard. I don't think it'd be cool if. Somebody were to say, hey, today at training, I saw Delite blow his knee out. I wouldn't want that to happen. But 
to say what happens behind door closed doors. I used to think it was a little bit more sacred. Now I think it's just part of pre-fight hype, and I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's going to get out regardless. I mean, even injuries, man, you'd be surprised who who turns you in. Cuz picture somebody going, "Hey, didn't you guys used to train at Kings MMA? Who used to get the pick who used to get the better of who?" You know how hard it's going to just be to go you know, kind of like the the cat that's got the mouse or the canary, like you're going to have a grin, your face is going to give it away. You're going to have to be real firm and just go, I don't talk about the past. Next question, you know, and shake that off. But fighters don't do that nowadays. Fighters kind of want to tell you. So I've kind of grown to accept that. Well, eh, I guess that's what's going to happen. But old school years ago, that that wasn't the type of things to get out. Jennifer Maya faces Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill was saying, you know, it's kind of freshening things up a little bit with Valentin Shashenko being out of the way. I kind of agree with her. Um. You know, that's probably given a little bit of hope to her and Maya, who did fight Shevchenko for a title. She was one of the title defenses. The Tracy Cortez's of the world, the Orange Blanchfields, everyone else that's out there, it, it kind of does do that. Now, from what we're hearing, Shevchenko will get an immediate rematch. And if she wins, then I guess they're back to square one. But for now, it is kind of nice, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a big fight for uh, Casey O'Neill because... You have to remember, I think she's undefeated. Isn't she? I don't think she's yeah. lost, right? She's undefeated. So that zero just carries so much weight. You know, you just keep winning. But after this fight, I think uh, the jump would probably be very significant in the opponent. Um, but anytime you have that zero, man, you're that much closer than, than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberina. Nelson fought last year, I believe, in London. But before that, he hadn't fought in like two and a half years. So why he would take another year off, I don't know. His fights usually either end in a submission with him winning or a decision. He neutralizes him. Yeah. And Barbarina is the opposite. His fights are usually slobber knockers. So we'll see. Uh, I I guess, to be fair, Santiago Ponzinibbio did knock him out, Gunnar Nelson, but... I don't know. Um, I Truthfully, I know this is mean, but I don't think these guys are like even top 20 welterweights. Why they're on the main card, I'm a little baffled by it. They're, they're UFC caliber because I think they're at least in the top 50 mm-hmm. of all welterweights on the planet. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not so put off by them being on the card. I'm just put off. Barbarina is useful in that if you match him up with the right guy, you can open the night and get the crowd going. Or you can put him in the main event of the featured prelims and get people to buy the pay-per-view or whatever. I get that. But the matchup kind of doesn't make sense to me. And, again, rewarding Nelson for not fighting in a year. And even before that, he hadn't fought, you know, in in three years. Like, I'm just wondering why he gets some of this special treatment. Yeah, it is kind of odd. Barbarina doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I think he's going to win this fight because you're right with Gunnar Nelson. It's like, it just seems like sometimes, you know, early on right away, what Gunnar Nelson you're going to get and whether or not that opponent's going to be able to take advantage of certain things that have kind of played Gunnar Nelson throughout the past. He's not really a plan B guy, you know, he suffocates the card, man. He just takes the life out of it. Last year in London goes, 
This was one of the fight cards where Dana White said, man, I'm buzzing so hard. Everybody that finished the fight gets a bonus. But this is the fight where Ilya Tapora knocked out Jai Herbert. Crowd goes nuts. Molly McCann, spinning back fist. Luana Carolina, oh, my God, possibly uh, um, knockout of the year. Patty Pimlet, he beat that Kazula Vargas guy, submission. You know, and Molly's jumping in the cage when he fought. Everyone's going nuts. Arnold Allen destroyed Dan Hooker, and then Tom Aspinall submitted Volkov. But guess who right in the middle of that card? I think it was in between Molly and, and uh, Patty. It was Gunnar Nelson just chugging along, you know, like <laughs> over that Takashi Sato guy. I don't know. For some reason, I've just never been too much of a, of, of a fan of this guy being on the main card. Like, I, I keep wondering why. Hmm. It's all right, but yeah, you're right. Sometimes uh, it's not the greatest. I'd rather have Delice and Vittori in that third spot yeah. and then have Barbarina against someone else. I'm not saying cut Gunner or nothing else, but I just, he just, like I say, he he is the cops at the door of a party that's just rocking and rolling. You got to tell the DJ, can you turn it down? Hey, everyone. Calm down, hold on. The cops are here, and then you talk to the cops for about five, ten minutes. Maybe talk them into a warning, and then, all right, let's go at it. Just don't turn it up as loud. That, that's what Gunnar Nelson is. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. All right, folks. So, um, this Saturday again, noon Pacific, three Eastern. That's what time we start our watch along. We'll be with you for five hours. Myself and goes John Orlando who's a friend of ours. He's also the owner of Sticky Paws Studio. He's got his podcast, Action Junkies. Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture. We're going to be with you, hanging out. And it should be a fun time. Can't wait for those last two fights for sure. But the UFC, I'll give them this. The UFC is, it it, it just, it rarely fails. And I'm almost not even scared to say it just can't fail. You know, the whole, oh, don't say you're going to jinx it. Man, the UFC just, it delivers, bro. It delivers. Pay-per-views are pretty special. Usually there's storylines that come out of it. It's hard for it to suck. And I think that's why Dana can always be so cocky and say what he, whatever it is he wants to say. Well, don't order it. If you don't want it, then don't order it. Shut up. We're going to be there. You miss out. It's so true. But, um, again, thank you all for tuning in to that. We'll see you on Saturday. And then on Monday, of course, spinning back click, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, enjoy March Madness. Even if you aren't a basketball fan, fill out a bracket, get into one of those free ESPN or CBS Sportsline deals, and just track it because I'm pretty sure everybody else in your life is doing it as well, and you can compare, and maybe one day you can play in those brackets you know, that people do for, for money. And It's one of my favorite times of the year, so I'm just trying to pass, on, pass it on to you guys. Um, I know a white kid from Austria who loves – rap and who would have ever thought that so if you're just someone who ever thought me basketball no trust me you can fall in love with these sports very very easily or or you know genres of music or whatever it is you just gotta give it a try all right folks we're out of here glad to be a champion we'll talk to you soon